0: The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by Dr. Joshua Vinny. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Dear Heavenly Father, as we read from your word, we pray that uh, you will give us insight through your spirit and uh, that you will use your servants to uh, um, proclaim uh, through, this, through this message uh, how we are to be pricked, how we are to be prodded, and, uh, and how we are to see Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Open with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 13, And we'll be looking at verse 12. So Proverbs 13, verse 12. Hear God's word. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing or a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Now, one commenter on the book of Proverbs says that uh, Proverbs like this, in one sense, they're like money. They need to be spent to be useful. If you have $20 in your pocket, it doesn't do you any good if it just stays there. Um, Maybe you could start a fire with it if you needed to. But money was made, right, it finds its real use uh, as you use it, as you spend it to buy something. And the same thing with Proverbs, just knowing them by itself isn't that useful. You need to apply them. You need to put them to use in your life. For some goal, that's where you find their worth. And as we think about that, uh, we need to remind ourselves what we're buying with these Proverbs. Uh, are they this guide to wealth, health, and happiness? Well, they certainly talk about those things, don't they? Um, wealth, health, and happiness are in many ways uh, throughout. Um, but the book of Proverbs does it in a context. Uh, God didn't just give us a list of scattered Proverbs. He gave us this book, the book of Proverbs, And I think that's always helpful to remind ourselves as we look at one particular proverb like this. God has called his people to pursue wisdom for all the benefits that it can have, but the ground of that wisdom, that relationship, uh, comes to the Lord, right? We could say wisdom is grounded in a relationship. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And as we think in New Testament fulfillment, we could in many ways update that to faith in Christ is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, And so we don't come to this seeking to buy ways to redeem ourselves, fix our lives apart from God's work in us and our redemption in Christ. But these can be part of that process as he continues to transform us to that image of Christ the one who was the true wise man, um, and so I think we need that reminder as we start here, uh, lest we lose um, that background as we deal with what's in many ways a very practical um, wisdom for us. Uh, now, as uh, um, as we also start to think about this and we think about what we're buying with the book of Proverbs uh, when we think of conforming our life to that of Christ we usually think of righteousness and the book of Proverbs talks a lot about the moral law about the wicked and the righteous but I don't think that's so much the focus in our text here Um, in the book of Proverbs we see that God has care he desires to Uh, show us um, that wisdom is needed for for all of life. When I tell my kids not to touch a hot stove, I'm not so much worried about whether they're sinning or being righteous. I'm worried about whether they burn their fingers or not. Uh, and, uh, And so it's not as much a moral question there. I want to spare them that physical pain. Um, and same thing. That's why I'll teach them to change the oil in their cars, so they don't have a costly repair down the road. Uh, and so the Book of Proverbs can be very practical in that, dealing with uh, with areas of life that really are beyond often right and wrong, um, the, the more strict ethical uh, righteousness. Um, so as as we look at this one this morning, uh, we'll we'll mention. Um, its meaning and uh, and then very much its application. Uh, And as we think of the meaning of this proverb, I don't think it's so hard to grasp. The first part there says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Great illustration I thought of is you drive all the way from Iowa, Wisconsin, who knows where it is, to Disneyland and what do you find? Disneyland closed. That's hope deferred. Maybe closer to home, you work on a paper and then you read the syllabus again and you find out it was supposed to be 15 pages, not five pages. You got to go back to work. So I think we can get that. Hope deferred. When you're ready yearning for something and it doesn't come, it, uh, it can very much have an influence on you, uh, often a very physical influence. Our whole being can be affected. Um, it can make that heart, our heart sick. Now on the other side, as we think of the other part, uh, but a desire or a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Think of Christmas morning. Kids running out, can't deciding which new, new thing to play with. Or the end of a semester, all the papers are in, all the finals are written, and you have that physical relief set over you, um, a desire fulfilled. When we, reach, when we reach something that we've been looking forward to, it can affect our whole being. Um, we're now happy, encouraged, uh, lightened, reinvigorated, refreshed—many different things. Um, if that desire is fulfilled, it's that opposite of sickness. It's in many ways health. Now, I think it's important, as as we mentioned that last part, that it says um, this desire or longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Um, As as we think of that, uh, um, it's not the tree of life, making a direct connection there. And I think the uh, um, next verse actually helps us in that. If you look at the, the first part of that, it says the teaching of the wise is a fountain of life. We don't need to go find the fountain of life because it's talking about it here. But a tree of life, a fountain of life, they're both um, this imagery uh, of of something that provides well-being. And uh, and so I think we should keep that in mind. Now, as we try now to apply this, how should we spin this, um, it's helpful to remember that in the book of Proverbs we find... Various types of Proverbs, some that are easier and some that are harder to apply. There are Proverbs that give us a command. Proverbs 14.7, leave the presence of a fool, for there you will not meet words of knowledge. That's fairly easy to apply. Now, maybe the situations in which it applies, we still need to be discerning, uh, and how to do that, but there's there's an admonition given in there. Um, other proverbs are what some have called didactic sayings. They give observations about life that have very explicit or right. They imply very easily um, what uh, what should be done. Uh, so in Proverbs 20, verse 26, verse six. Uh, It says, whoever sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. Do you want to cut off your feet and drink violence? No, everybody, nobody wants to do that. And so you don't send a message by the hand of a fool. Our text here is what some have called an experiential saying. They tell us a truth about the world But the implications, what we should do with that truth, is less clear. What are we to do? Sickness, we don't want to be sick. Tree of life, that sounds good. So, does that mean we should indulge our every hope and our every desire? That would sell a lot of books. We could make this a great sermon. Um, But... That isn't how we should apply it, right? It's not, right, buy that new car now. Eat dessert first. Um, you don't want to make your heart sick. That trip you've always wanted to go on, it'll be a tree of life to you. Um, no, we need to, uh, to, to have this situated within what the Bible teaches elsewhere about these things. And even right before our proverb. Look at verse 11, it talks about the need for perseverance and patience. It says, dishonest money dwindles away, uh, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. Or the first part has often been otherwise translated, wealth hastily gained will dwindle. All right? And so the quick fix is not what you need. And we know that elsewhere. Um, so, how then, if, we, if it's uh, not so simple, how are we to apply this to our lives? How are we to spend it? And, uh, and I think we could make a number of observations, um, but it, it relates to how we treat ourselves and how we treat others round about us, and how we do that in light of the hopes and desires and how they affect our hearts. We need to take that seriously and bear that in mind. And for ourselves, maybe surprisingly, I would argue this proverb really has great implications for contentment. That our culture is about indulgence. Treat yourself. You deserve it. Buy it now. Pay later. We want things, things, and maybe even more right now, we want entertainment. We want to be Entertained, amused, that's the level, the worth of our life. And I don't want to say it's not a proper thing to pursue fun, to pursue, a, per, right, to pursue good things, possessions, uh, but not as the purpose of our life. They enrich, they can give us joy, but when they become that focus, then we become hallowed. Um, We become shallow. Uh, God didn't put Adam in the garden to party and to play. He put him in there to work and to guard. And so this this proverb isn't about seeking pleasure as an end, but seeing how those good things can be a blessing to us uh, when they're rightly used, seen as that hand from God a way to encourage us. Uh, And so, we need to guard our hopes and desires. Uh, And we need to do that through Christian contentment. We need to set our hopes and desires not according to what the world values, what our neighbors value, even what is happening to everybody else on Facebook. Um, We need to do it according to God's word. We need our hopes and desires to align with his word, but also... We need it to align with God's providence in our life. What gifts has he given to us? What has he withheld? What good things has he given? What others has he withheld? You make your heart sick if your hopes and desires are set upon something, even a good thing, that God hasn't granted to you. And so Paul in Philippians 4, 11 through 13 can say, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Uh, and so as we think of that Christian contentment, it's, it's worth emphasizing that it's not about removing all desire. That's not the object. This proverb is in no way saying that hopes and desires are bad. Instead, they're an integral part of us. Uh, They um, are part of our being and we need to see our own tendencies and our own patterns of disappointments and joys and learn to live um, as God has made us. And so sometimes we need to have those encouragements within our work uh, that can be that tree of life. And my one example here is when I had to go on a diet a while back because all my dress clothes were getting too snug. I didn't want to buy new ones. I found a diet that had a cheat day. They said it was a good thing that it was supposed to reset your metabolism and other things like that. But I just like the fact that one day a week I got to eat cake. And that was a great encouragement to, to keep constant in the, in the rest of that. Uh, and, uh, and so it, it worked very well, and uh, I would highly recommend it. Um, so, But uh, what we need to see is, right, God didn't make us to be aesthetics. He didn't make us to be hedonists. Um, we are called to care for this world, serve God through our labor, but also enjoy this world, the blessings that God has given to us, and uh, and so there's no Christian virtue in being miserable, but there are times for restraint, um, and uh, and so we need to see that. Uh, but we could say that this text, um, right? It's not only our own hopes and desires that we should keep in mind; it's those of others. Uh, Others, especially when we in some way have control over whether those hopes and desires are fulfilled or not. Uh, Proverbs 3 brings that up very clearly. Proverbs three twenty-seven and 28 says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow. I will give it when you have it with you. Don't play with their hearts that way. Don't play with their hopes and desires. And we could apply that to many different relationships, but one that I think is, is, uh, is especially relevant is parents and children. Uh, when I was uh, first becoming a parent, one of the books that I read was Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. And one of the statements he made really struck me and made me think. He said, it should be our habit to say yes to a request unless there are good reasons to say no. It is easy to make authoritarian choices simply out of convenience. Now he doesn't tie this with this proverb, but I think it fits very well with its message. As parents, we're in this position of great authority and we need to treat the hopes and desires of our children with great care. Now, he's not calling on them, us here, to um, right Ted Tripp in his book, to indulge their every whim and want. Um, elsewhere, he very much says we gotta be careful not to make our kids materialists by emphasizing possessions. Um, but what he is saying is that we need to make sure that we're not being selfish in withholding what they desire. your no should only be for a good reason. No shouldn't be merely a way to reinforce your authority or because it's the easier way out for you. Uh, There are plenty of opportunities as a parent to say no. We don't have to seek them out. My kids will tell you that. My son learned very early that maybe just means no. It's just delayed. Um, but that principle has really struck, uh, stuck with me uh, in my parenting. And, uh, and I think it's been very helpful. And I would say that Paul would uh, be very much in line with it, as he says in Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers do not provoke or exasperate your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Or not to seek to disappoint our children um, on, uh, without good reason, deferring their hope or denying it. Um, and Jesus would even assume that, that parents are to give good things to their children. As he says, Matthew 7:11. if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask of him? And so I think, right, that same principle can apply to many other relationships uh, in our lives, those of husband and wife, uh, those of boss and employee, and even professor and student. Um, but as, as we, uh, and to close here, and as we think about this, we can add one other element to this as a New Testament Christian Uh, because Jesus does come as that one wiser than Solomon that very much um, shows us in his life uh, these Proverbs lived out. And as we do that, did Jesus have his hopes and desires fulfilled? Well, In that ultimate sense, yes, right? that ultimate desire to save a people for himself, saving us. He did. Um, But he had to give up many other desires to bring that about, even suffering, suffering leading to death. And so as we think of our hopes and desires, we've been speaking of many of our temporary ones, earthly hopes and desires, and they are important but we need to continually orient them to our ultimate hope of heaven. And in that, we follow often the pattern of Christ. Jesus' work had that sure hope in the future, um, and yet it was going to come about through suffering and through delay. And we, right, we now have that sure hope. We wait for it, but sometimes we wonder. Why the delay? Why is it deferred? Why hasn't Jesus come yet? And yet we're called to be patient in that. Patient in that because when that ultimate hope comes, it will not be something fleeting so many of the things we desire in this life. It won't encourage us just for the moment. No, it won't be a tree of life. It will be the tree of life. Um, it will be life forever in glory with our Lord and Savior. And so our hearts, they may become sick for a time as we wait for Christ to return. But oh, the day that that will be when he comes and our desire is fulfilled. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the good you give to us in this life. We pray that we will use and look at it rightly uh, as encouragement from you in the labors that you've given to us, but we pray that you also uh, bring us through times of, of suffering uh, when we do need to wait, uh, especially as we as we yearn and wait for all things to be made new. Preserve us until that day, and come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Copyright 2017 Westminster Seminary California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge.